Welcome to the Business Influencer Podcast, where we will be interviewing and exploring the success stories of entrepreneurs, business leaders, senior policymakers, and getting insights from thought leaders around the issues of the day. We'll be delving into and analyzing the latest news around tech, geopolitics, finance, leadership, entrepreneurship, global business, property, philanthropy, and life. Uh, this podcast is available on all platforms. But for those of you who prefer to watch, we have the Natural Media YouTube channel. So please subscribe and you can watch all the interviews. You can also follow the show's updates on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Please leave a review as it does help in getting the word out and about. My name is Ninda Johal. I am the co-founder of The Natural Group, the signature awards and co-publisher of the Business Influencer magazine. And I will be your host for the show. In this episode, we speak to Nigel Risner, who gives us his insights into the art of communication. He asks us to think like a zookeeper who regularly looks after lions, dolphins, elephants, and monkeys. He explains how we all like to communicate in our own style and language, and how if we could understand what that style was, then the workplace and our ability to communicate would be enhanced. He describes the visionary single-minded lion, the playful extrovert monkey, the careful analytical elephant, and the caring supportive dolphin. Question is, which one are you? Let's pop over and find out. Afternoon, Nigel. Um, good to meet up with you. Good to see you, and thank you for inviting me on to your show. Very excited. Yeah, it, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was interesting, and I'll explain how we ended up speaking. But uh, and, and if I get a chance, I'll ask you about this your your fixation with forty two minutes and meetings. And but let me explain for those uh, who, who may have just joined in on the podcast for the first time or. I'm wondering, Nigel, who's Nigel Risner? Well, Nigel Risner, an interesting character, if I can say. At 26, you were one of the youngest CEOs in London, running a successful finance company. You had your highs, you had your lows, uh, but you've got amazing wide experience of commercial and business. Uh, you're an author of many books, including two which we're going to speak about today, which is It's a Zoo Around Here, and the impact code, I know you've written quite a few others. Uh, you're a speaker, a, a much sought after speaker. You've done some of the most amazing stages, spoke with some incredible people. Now, what was interesting, I met you of all places on Clubhouse. And and, and I remember this chap called Nigel spoke up. I just wrote a couple of things what I thought was no nonsense. You got straight to the point, Nigel. Um, you were very knowledgeable. Actually, I thought you were brilliant. And, and and I thought, well, I'm gonna reach out to this chap and let's let's get the let's get the rest of the people that I in my community that come to my events, that read my magazine. I want them to hear who this Nigel character is. And hence the call, really. And that's and that's very kind of you. But what's interesting is that Clubhouse is a vehicle to hear people's voices. But because of the way Clubhouse works, and this is not knocking it or promoting it, that you may only have someone join in for literally 30 seconds. 
Yeah. And they may go to another room because they may have got into the wrong room by mistake. So you better make sure that when you communicate, you make an impact, which is why I wrote the book, The Impact Code. Because at any moment in time, you might be in a supermarket and you've got a disagreement going with a cashier, but there's four people behind you who are watching you. You're then making an impact. You're then on Clubhouse and you're making an impact. You're, you're at the zoo and my son at the time is 11, okay? And it was children under the age of 10 go free, okay? Yep. My son was quite small. I could have easily have said he was 10. The problem is you don't know who's behind you, who's watching you, and what's about integrity. And then you're teaching your son it's okay to lie. And that's all about impact. So when you heard me speak, it's because when I'm on Clubhouse and you've only got, and I don't do long introductions, I'm one of the few people that just goes straight for the jugular. I'm known in my circle as the only man who does open heart surgery without an anesthetic. I haven't got time. I just want to give people phenomenal stuff they can do with and then let other people speak. So when you heard me for that 30 seconds and it was a woman who I, who I called out on, I remember exactly when you heard me speak because you kind of went, wow. Because right. there was a woman questioning whether she was a mother or an owner. I remember exactly the phone call and the conversation because yeah. that may be the only time you heard me speak. And you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And you do judge a book by its cover, even though you shouldn't. We all do. It's called unconscious bias. And as much as we say whatever religion you are, we all have prejudices. We say we don't. But you hear someone on Clubhouse, you go on a YouTube video, you watch the news, and you make an opinion. You better make sure you make the right impact in that moment. So, so, so tell me, for those who don't know, Clubhouse is a social media application. You can go and check and Google it. And read oh, audio it. only. Yeah, audio only. Um, you said before we we switched the record button, I said, look, this could vary between 30 and 45 minutes. And you said, no, no, no. It's got to be 42 minutes. Why 42 minutes? So when I speak at conferences, the average length of time up until about two o'clock, you can listen and participate and assimilate information is about 40 minutes. If you think of some of the funniest comedians like Michael McIntyre, Peter Kay, if they do an evening show, they have a break after 40 odd minutes and yes. they are exceptionally funny. You and I aren't. So <laughs> imagine someone's listening for a length of time or you're in a board meeting. Every speech that I do is 42 minutes and then we have a break. And what's interesting is that 42 minutes, you've actually got to physically put it in your diary. When you do a, uh, an appointment on Outlook, for example, most people's meetings are booked for an hour. Yeah, they it's are. It's too long. And I don't want to spend time. I'm bored after about 20 minutes because I'm a monkey, and we'll come on to that later. But yeah. 42 minutes means you've got to be red hot, start with a bang, a bit like the Olympians. That gun goes off, and you've got to start quick. Then you get into your stride, and then you've got to finish with a bang as you cross the line. So I've shared this rule of 42 minutes that in the level of business that you do, and you've got a phenomenal magazine, the type of people who read that magazine won't read it for much longer than that 42 minutes in one sitting. They won't listen to a podcast much longer. The average, t do you know the average TV program on Channel 4 with all the breaks is 42 minutes? Yeah. There's a reason. <laughs> Well, I'll have to start doing my podcast for exactly 42 minutes going forward. Uh, so, so let's just back to you then. So 
you're one of the youngest CEOs and, and then something didn't quite work out. So perhaps you can tell me what didn't work out. And, and I remember somewhere about you driving around in your Bentley. Um, okay. I don't know how old you are. How old are you? Just see if I can work this out. I'm in my 50s. Okay. So in, in the 80s, we all made a lot. Of, I, my background is commercial finance, and I used to fund nursing homes, residential homes, pubs, hotels, and I was the largest independent commercial finance broker in the UK. My original partner sold nursing homes and residential homes. And in the 80s, you made a lot of money very easily by doing finance, and we paid lots of commission. We had an insurance division. We had a lending division. And I just knew business. Don't ask me how. I just knew it. And at 26, I was greedy and decided I wanted to buy my partner out. Now, my partner put in £12.80 in the very beginning, and he wanted £2.3 for his 51%, which wasn't a problem because we were earning a lot of money. The problem was to fund that, we had to go to the city, and I got some city institutions to help me buy them out, and then we were going to go public. This is a lesson for everyone who's listening. If you're going to get involved with venture capital and you're going to get involved with institutions, you better make sure you've got a lot of money in the bank because venture capitalists and banks only want their get out. They don't care about you as an individual. I didn't understand this at 26, 27. I didn't have the support that I've got now in my business. And I didn't understand that their interest is their exit. My interest was my family. So at 27, I've then sold 36% of the company to shareholders then we had ECI Venture Capital, and we sold more shares. And now all of a sudden, we haven't gone public. We've got venture capital in my business. And all of a sudden, I'm now working for outside shareholders, and I'm the only working shareholder. That's the quick bit. Then in 1990s, you probably remember, we had a bit of a dip, and we lost millions. And I asked my board for a pay rise. Now, a 5% pay rise wasn't going to be very much with the type of money I was earning. And I asked for £40,000 pay rise, bearing in mind we had 50% tax. By the time you worked out tax, insurance, I was going to be left with about 1400 a month. And they offered me £500. The only way I could earn more money was I looked outside my front door and I had a Bentley 8. And I thought, you know what would be a good idea? I could go minicabbing. Now, I had to go minicabbing because I didn't have hire and reward insurance. And I had an insurance division within my own company. And I couldn't ask my own team, could they add on hire and reward insurance? Because that would be a bit of a giveaway what was going on in my own company. So I was working for a local minicab company, taking your grandmother, okay, get ready for this, to Waitrose, waiting, and then taking her back for a fiver. But I was really good. <laughs> and I was then doing bar mitzvahs, weddings. Um, I was going to happy Eid parties. I, and for seven months, I was picking people up and I was earning a lot of money. Having to remember, I had a finance company to run. I've left out in the middle of all this. I've got a child who's been born with mild cerebral palsy and I'm taking him on a Saturday and Sunday to South London for extra physiotherapy. I did it for seven and a half months. And I've got to tell you, when you open the back door of your Bentley and it was royal blue with white leather seats with blue piping and you turn up at a pub at 11.30 at night and three people throw up in the back of your car, it is not the greatest, not the greatest feeling, but it's an amazing leveller. Because when needs must, and I know you've got family, you need to do whatever you can because it's no use joining the BMW brigade. 
That's the bitching, moaning and whining people. Because the government didn't care. The rest of the world doesn't care. You've got to do something. And there's always an opportunity. And I would have worked for the equivalent of Amazon as a delivery if we'd had it, or Sainsbury's. That wasn't available. But my car was available from 7 o'clock at night till 2 in the morning. And for seven months, that's what I did until I eventually thought enough is enough. And I resigned for my own business, get ready for this, with one month's money to start all over again from home with one secretary or my wife. And eight months later, the business that I'd left were giving me business because they couldn't handle it. And what I realized in that moment in time, because this is the key part for the future, was that making money actually isn't that complicated. Working with people is unbelievably complicated. So, you know, you can have a process and you can be automated. But at some point, if you want to work with people, there's a skill involved. And then I got asked by lots of my clients, could I help them buy their partners out? Because there were disagreements. So lots of people walked pubs or nursing homes with cousins or family members. And I was doing lots of retail, obviously, within the Indian community, the Sikh community, the Muslim community. I was doing a lot to that. Well, of course, their children didn't want to be buying into their businesses. So they may have their cousins buying with them. Then they fell out with their cousins. Then the SRN nurse fell out with their cousin who was a, a builder with a nursing home. So I then realized that communication was now the biggest issue in running a business. This was one of these bombshell moments that I just thought, something's going on here. And I then happened to be at Whipsnade Zoo. And I was doing a, a small talk because I was doing a little bit of speaking for uh, Chambers of Commerce, and there was a man wearing a brown overall with about 16 different buckets labelled monkeys, lions, elephants, zebra, whatever it was. And I had a next aha moment, which went, this zookeeper is feeding the animals the food they need to make them perform and maintain them. I wonder what would happen in communication if we could speak in the right language to the right people and what difference that would make. And thus was the creation of It's a Zoo around here, because what you have to do, you're like this, you have to leave your turban for a second, and you need to wear this hat. And, and you're wearing, wearing a hat which says... Zookeeper. Zookeeper. So you're wearing a... This is for people who are listening in rather than watching. Yes. So you, we, all wear many, we all wear many different hats at work, whether it, you know, and we'll talk about the animals, but the hat that you have to wear in marriage... How long have you been married? Correct. 30 years. Okay, so I've just had my 36th anniversary. Wow. In order to succeed in marriage, one of you has to communicate in a different way if there's issues. One of you has to communicate a different way with your children. One of you has to communicate a different way with your family, with your teams, with your staff. And the zookeeper's role is to feed the food the animal or the staff need. So when I'm working with the equivalent of me, I, I can only be in a room for about 20 minutes. I get bored. I need, I need lots of chocolate. So behind me, there's Cadbury's chocolate. Oh, I love chocolate. Yep. But you see, imagine, I don't know whether you drink or not. I don't drink no. alcohol. I don't drink alcohol at all. So imagine I send you and you send me the finest bottle of champagne, okay? For a lot of people, that would be amazing. Yeah. But I've missed the point with you, and you've missed the point with me, because I want Diet Coke because that's my favorite drink in the whole wide world. So if you love me enough and you've listened to me, and this is the key word, and you understand my personal needs and you become a zookeeper, you send me a crate 
of Diet Coke and you leave the wine for the people who like wine. But most people at Christmas time or Eid or whatever the festival might be will deliver what they like, not what the person wants. So I like chocolate, Cadbury's milk chocolate. I do not like Bourneville, he gets sent back. I don't <laughs> like nuts, that gets sent back. But the clients that love me, through lockdown, and I charge fees of Diet Coke and chocolate for all my hotel, restaurant, uh, airline clients that had no money. But I didn't want to do it for nothing. So they sent me crates. I mean, I've got to tell you, at one point, we had 600 cans of Diet Coke and about 40 of these big bars of Cadbury's. But what I realised was they loved me enough to have listened to me. Sending me champagne would have been wasted. I don't drink, not for any religious reason. I don't like alcohol. So zookeeping is about treating the people you work with in their style. Do you remember that phrase, do unto others you do unto yourself? That's right. No, it's not true. Do unto others as they would do unto themselves. Yeah. And this is where we get confused. You know, I want chocolate, then send me chocolate. Don't send me some caviar and, and smoked salmon. What a waste of money. So that's how the zookeeping part started. And I've now got zookeepers literally in Sweden, in Lithuania, in South Africa, in America, in Northern Ireland, who run programs for me in allowing companies to understand why communication sucks. And most people are not good at communication because they're speaking the wrong language. So, so you talk about in your book, uh, you, you talk about four animals. So you say you become a, uh, a zookeeper and as a zookeeper, you've identified four animals, which are the lion, the monkey, the elephant, and the dolphin. Now, so I suppose the first question is, uh, why four? Um, what, okay. What's with the four animals? And maybe... Okay, I'll, go, I'll go a bit technical for you, okay? In 532, 532 BC, Socrates worked out four levels of blood, okay? And that's where most of communication started. Then you've got... Uh, Carl Jung, who did four st steps. Then you've had Myers-Briggs. Then you've had Belbin. The problem is, for people who've done most communication present, uh, sorry, for people who've done most presentation uh, talks and have been in one of those, I often will say to them, so what are you? Or what am I? And they go, well, I think you're, if your Myers-Briggs, you're uh, an E, because that's extrovert. And they struggle. Yeah. Or they go, I think you're a lemon with a bit of driver. I went, okay. You've missed the point. If you can't understand me and I've been on stage for 40 minutes or we've been having a board meeting for an hour or, and you've been in business, you've had some staff who've been with you 10 years and I guarantee there's at least two or three of your staff, you have no idea of their style. Well, no wonder you've got an issue with them. So we worked on that there are creative, and I'm putting my monkey hat on, there are mad people like me who are creative, estate agents in the marketing companies that are all over the place but are very creative they've got low self-esteem in one way because we love love we love applause and we've got a low attention span and they're not in the room for very long but they're they're a bit nuts they don't really care if you move them to another office they're okay with it then you have the lions and i'm putting my lion hat on who are normally the directors they want to run the show they growl they make it their way but someone's got to run the team. Someone's got to be in charge. Someone's got to set the vision. And they're normally lions that set the vision. Then you have the elephants. And this is a very cool hat. You're going to love this hat, I promise you. 
Um, this is a very cool hat. Okay. <laughs> and I knew you'd laugh when I put it on. And you're probably thinking at this moment in time, <laughs> where'd you get the hats from? Which is what most people do when I put this hat on. But if you have elephants in your team, they are left-brained. They need detail. They need data. They need an agenda. You can't pick them out in an audience and ask them. If you ask an elephant what's nine plus nine, they'll go, whoa. They'll think it's a trick question. Because, you know, for a monkey, it's 17 or 18. Because that's close enough. You know, to an elephant, it should be 18. But I, I want to check. Because they don't want to look silly. But when they give you the answer, it will definitely be right. But they seek perfection, not excellence. And that's a problem for lots of people. And then we've got the dolphins. And this is a lovely, lovely hat, which I'm putting on. You'll like this one. And your wife is probably a dolphin. Um, and the dolphins want to make sure the world is in a happy place and we all come together. And they normally are HR. They're involved in training. They want to make sure the world comes together. Now, if you think about this, in your office or in your family, you've got these four animals around the table. You've got... 25 50 100 staff all in different offices and they've been told they've got to work nine till five and then something magical happens which was unfortunate covid happened and all of a sudden we sent all these animals home do you remember yeah yeah well, you need to understand the elephants are loving this because they don't like people they've got a setup at home they can work on their own they, they've never liked people anyway so they've loved all this they're not rushing back to the office at all but all of a sudden, as a monkey, use me as an example. Normally, I'd come to your house. We'd have a drink. We'd have tea. We'd have coffee. We'd have cake. I'd give you a hug. We'd do the interview. We'd have a laugh. I'd meet the family. You'd invite me for dinner. Well, we can't do that. We've now got to do it by Zoom or WebEx or Teams. And monkeys really struggled because we need affection. We need praise. We need lots and lots of hugs, kisses, all that stuff. But we need it daily. The lions had to run the meetings and had to have everyone in gallery view so they could see everybody and they wanted everyone to dress smartly and uh, they, no one could have their screens turned off because they were running the show. The problem was they weren't getting people coming in to see them because you had to create a Zoom meeting. You couldn't just ring people and they missed that. And the dolphins had a real issue because there was no connection. Now, when there's just two of us on a screen like this, I can nearly see into your eyes and you know that your eyes are the windows to the soul. So I can look right close with you. But I did a, a presentation in Sri Lanka and there were 1,829 people online. There was no chance I could scroll 50 screens. I got bored after the third screen. So I'm just talking to the 30 people on my first screen and the dolphins felt left out because I wasn't talking to them personally. So the dolphins have been with their family, which they've loved, but they've lost contact with some of their teams, which they don't like. And today, you know, whenever this is going out today in theory is the first day we can go inside people's homes of two families we can hug people and it's been amazing to watch in the news how to hug people i mean the elephants aren't hugging anybody the lions on their terms the monkeys we've been hugging people the whole through a covid because we didn't listen to that rule and the dolphins are thinking hold on i can only hug for a second my face mustn't be too near theirs i mean that you need to think about this from an animal perspective, that all these animals, the cages have been left open and now we're trying to contain them. But this is the key bit for you and I. The reason why lockdown was so phenomenal is because the lions and elephants had to trust people when they worked mm. from home. And for 50 years, we've said no one can work from home because they won't work properly. All of a sudden, this forced lockdown happened and everyone had to, unless you were 
customer facing in a cafe or you were a, in a hospital or you're in Asda or Morrison's. But for 10 million people who worked in offices, they were forced to work from home. What's been amazing is that 90% of businesses who have been working from home have earned as much or more money because of what happened. Because if you trust your team, and I'm going to give you a compliment here, I trust you 100%. I don't know if I like you, though. Now, the like bit takes a bit longer because I, I don't know if, I, if you're going to come to my house for a family barbecue because that takes a bit of time. But I trust you in order to do this interview. And trust is the bit in business that we get wrong. You don't have to like people you work with. You do have to trust them. And most people like their colleagues, but don't trust them. Well, for lockdown forced people to, to trust some of their staff to work. And what's happened for lots of people, they've worked longer hours because they've not been traveling to work. They haven't had long lunches. They don't, they don't log off at five o'clock. Their computers are virtually on 24-7. Now, that can't continue, but now you've got this um, issue about how do we bring people back into the workplace when they've been doing so well at home? Then so, people... so, so, so let me ask you, let, 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 that's, that's fascinating. Actually, you, you're right when you break the four down, how they've reacted to COVID. So, so quick question, and then we'll pick up post-COVID, how, how people now uh, look so at I went, I went a bit monkey road there, apologies. That's what happened. Don't worry, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. It's really, really good stuff. Um, so can um, one, can a person change animal during life? Do they become, start something, then become something else? So that's, that's sort of age-related. Could it be that certain uh, people from ethnicities tend to veer towards one? Can genders make you different uh, or, 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 or does this apply right across the board? And, and can you become a different animal depending on the situation? So... COVID. So let me go through them again. So can they be age-related? Can they be ethnicity-related? Can they be gender-related? And can they change? Okay, so we're going to do the easiest one first. From a gender point of view, in theory, most women, and let me just say that most, have female hormones that are slightly different. So they are a bit more caring than males on that side. So, you know, if they have a child, okay, then some of their dolphin bit comes out. So you, you, you find, I've got to be a bit careful on this, you, you, there aren't that many lion female CEOs who've got children. Okay? Okay. They haven't had children. They, you know, and they've dedicated their career. They can be quite tough. And they're lion, lion, more lion than lioness, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. If they've had children... I mean, there are lots and lots of people in here. The world is changing where nearly all women are going back to work and there's no demographic and there's no difference between men and women. But I'm just saying part of their DNA is they care more than most men. Now, there'll be a fight going on if people ring up now and say, that's not true, men can be caring. I'm not sure they can be caring, but we have to think about caring. You know, when I leave the house, I never, ever think about the washing machine or my dog. I leave the house. 90% of women will think about that stuff as well as doing a much longer day than I might. There's going to be lots of arguments on this. I'm not disputing that. But medically, that's just the way it works. So women tend to be a bit more caring and a bit more dolphiness than men. However, I can change my style when I'm under pressure. And that's the problem. See, I don't know if I sent you the second book that we've written called Zookeeper Rules for the Office. 
No, I haven't seen that yet, no. Okay. So what happens is when monkeys like me lose it and you don't praise me and you don't send me a thank you note and you don't say I'm the best guest you've ever had on your show <laughs> and I haven't got the best article, there's a chance I turn hyena. And that laughter you hear from the hyena is not out of love, trust me. It's I'm about to go for the kill. And monkeys that aren't looked after can turn nasty and go into hyena mode. Elephants, if you don't give them the information they want and you don't support them and you don't look after them and you don't give them time, hide. They go back into their cage and then they charge you like a rhino with the information. The dolphins, bless them, though, are the worst because they are loving, nurturing, caring, supportive. But if you let them down three times, they will turn into a shark. And then they start circling and picking off the weakest. And then you've got the, t the lions that turn into tigers and, and then just eat their own. So you have to be really careful. If you don't feed the animals the food they need, can I, can I change tack for one second? Okay, go on. Do you know why people come to work? There's only one reason why people come to work. Well, most people think it's to earn money. Yeah, it's not, okay? The only reason why people come to work is to get their personal needs met. The question is, as a zookeeper, your job is to find out what their personal needs are. Now, I've made it really clear. One of my personal needs is campus chocolate. One of my yeah. personal needs is Diet Coke. One of my personal needs is don't ask me, don't tell me the questions you're going to ask me in advance because then I start thinking too much. Yeah. One of my personal needs is it's 42 minutes. If I get my needs met, I'm a monkey, Okay. If you then email me and say, uh, before we go further, we need a buyer, we need lots of information, and if we can have another 34 minutes of discussion, I then start thinking, I'm sure I've done all this stuff. Why are we asking more? And I start turning. So your job is to think, how do we make Nigel's interview the best it can be? What Can we give him the Diet Coke and the chocolate that you've sent me? How do we make it good for him? And as a zookeeper, you do that for me, then I don't need to change. The problem is, is as I get a bit older, and this happens for a lot of men, we get slightly intolerant. So yeah. it looks like I've turned into a lion. What really happens, I've just gone hyena. I can't be a lion. I can appear like a lion because I'm quite punchy. So on Clubhouse, which is an audio app, and, you know, the moderator will say, Nigel, have you got a couple of seconds? What do you think about it? I haven't got time to go, look, darling, or look, mister, this is a lovely idea. Let me tell you, I just want to get to the point. So I appear quite abrasive. It's just that I want to give value now. But I'm, I've been a monkey. I've done thousands of psychometric tests. I'm always a high yellow. I'm massively top right. I'm a monkey. I'm an E, N, F. I, don't, I can't even remember the other bit. But I've done loads of them. I'm so high up on my monkey scale, it's embarrassing. So I have to really think that when I work with Deloitte's, or a consultancy company, or architects, or surveyors, or lawyers, I have to think that when I ask them a question, they're not going to answer. If you ask accountants what's four plus four, you get this look like, whoa. <laughs> if you ask a monkey four plus four, they'll go seven, nine-ish. Their favorite word is ish, because it's close enough. It's not like life or death if we get a seven or a nine. To a dolphin, it's what, you, what would you like me to answer? So, so, so that's that's age sorted, uh, ethnicity, I suppose, uh, gender well, sorted. Well, ethnicity. Really quite, now, ethnicity is quite interesting. So I was in India, okay? Yeah. I did a yeah. road show in India, and I started in uh, Jaipur, and I went yeah. 
I went to Jaipur, Mumbai, Hyderabad, indoor, where I spoke outdoors. I spoke okay. outdoors, indoor, which kind of confused me. And then <laughs> I went down to Chennai, okay? But in uh, Jaipur, the very first evening I spoke, I went, why do people come to work? And an elderly Indian gentleman, he went, for the money. And I yeah, realized yeah. I was having an argument with a grandfather of a business because for him, that's why people came to money, for us to provide for their family. He wasn't interested in this personal need stuff at all. His son was there, though. It was the funniest, who was a vice president. He was a vice president, I think, of the toilets because if the grandfather owns the business, it's his business, and everyone else might be a vice president, but it's the grandfather's business. There's no doubt about this. But it, for him, I pay them, they should do a full day's work. What's happening now in a lot of other countries, so in China, it, uh, Japan's a little bit different. In China and India, where you've got second, third generations, they're now being aware that adults would like to see their children. That didn't happen for 50 years. You know, the father who ran the business worked from six in the morning till 10 at night, provided for their family, and that was their job. The children, second, third generation, don't want to be doing that. So it's beginning to change, but it was funny for me in Jaipur for this man to tell me they only come to work because I pay them. And I realised very quickly it was nice to me arguing because it was a mindset of that generation. So there are certain countries where that might be. When I work in uh, the Nordic countries, there are lots of elephants. So they don't want to play because they are deep thinkers. They don't have much sense of humour. Uh, for those Swedish people listening, apologies, but they don't. Um, so there are not many monkeys in the Nordic countries. The Australians, lots of monkeys. Uh, North America, lots of monkeys. The Canadians are a bit deeper thinking. South Africans uh, have got lots of issues going on. So they've got some other issues going on. So I, I've spoken from Iran to Israel to South, South America, Australia, New Zealand. 95% of people are one of the four animals. And they know these people. And if I look at your children, how many children do you have? Just remind Two. me. Two. Okay, your oldest is much more likely to be an, a lion stroke elephant, and your youngest is much more likely to be a dolphin a dolphin monkey. You're probably right, actually. Because your firstborn is a bit like the Lion King. He's a prince. He or she, by the way. He. He. He's a prince. He arrived in the world, and we all hail the baby, and he was spoiled. He may have been the favourite grandchild, whatever it was, and... If he, he was if he fell over, okay, we had the SAS, we had the ambulance service. When the second child falls over, get up. There's no pictures of second children most of the time. There's no videos. They have to get on with stuff. So when I look at dynamics of families, I can normally tell them what their kids are, and they go, I understand now. It's not a total science, but I could judge 90% of people in about three minutes by watching how they eat at a buffet. So if, if we now take the four animals, uh, you, you make a point in your book, um, I think it's impact, where you talk about companies don't have a culture, people create culture. So logically speaking, does that mean a culture is set by the number of, uh, the, if you take those animals, so if there's more elephants or more dolphins or more monkeys, does that quantity set the culture or is actually is it the line at the top who says, do you know something, you're going to do it this way? Okay. So in the old days, the line yeah. created this mission statement. You know, we're going to be the number yeah. one supplier to China. 
Well, that yeah. wasn't really a mission statement. That was their goal or vision. Okay. Yeah. And then the way we're going to do this is through trust, integrity, and honesty. By the way, their action words, they're not even values, but we're not even going to go that place for the moment. So they created the set of values. Then Harvard, and then um, in Hyderabad, the Indian Business School came about, and people said, we need to think differently about this, and we need to involve some of the people about how we want to run the business. Because companies per se don't do anything. It's the people in companies that do things. So you've got, you have a change at the senior team, and all of a sudden someone says, you know what, I think we don't all have to work on a Friday, because I think Fridays are important for family, or religion, or for whatever the festival is. And all of a sudden, people then start going, well, we could change things. But the junior staff are watching the senior people. And this is what's really important. It's about modeling the culture and modeling success and modeling integrity and modeling those values. Because I have a friend, I have two friends called Steve Simpson and Steph Duplessis, who wrote a book called UGRs, which is about unwritten ground rules. And unwritten ground rules are all those things that get in the way of the culture. So, you know, around here, people don't speak up. Around here, the only time you see your boss is when you mess up. Well, that's how the culture seems to feel. So we've got to ask people, how do we want to work in this environment? How do we want to run this business so that we keep the great staff? Because if you have a bad culture because the people aren't being fair, they leave, not because of the, the company, because nobody leaves the company, they leave their managers. And it's not because of the money. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I offered you 50 million to join me, you'd probably go, yes, you wouldn't even think about it. But that's unlikely. For the average person, we say it's the 5,000 pounds or the $5,000. It's because of the culture or the way they've been treated and they want a different system. So then, you, you know, my son is 34. He doesn't want to work five days a week. He wants to feel trusted. He wants to have a laptop at home. He wants to be able to log in. He wants a separate work phone. And he doesn't want emails from his boss after six o'clock. So the culture is we respect your time. However, if it's an emergency, of course you deal with it. But there's a difference between an emergency, you know, the house is falling down, which is an emergency, to Mr. Smith needs you to return his call because he's a bit late. So culture is devised by people not by companies. And we need to remember companies are just a building. Companies are just a thing. It's the people in organizations that run the business. So, so if we take um, creative people, people who are skilled at something, but are very creative, I think you call them monkeys. Yeah. Um, so so if, if, if a leader has got a bunch of monkeys to look after, in effect, and, and I'll tell you why I say that, because... Uh, when I was managing the band, the band was full of creative people, bass player, drummer, and, and it was interesting, within each, in your term, monkey, I had to look at what drove them and make sure I played to each of those. And, and of course... Well, that's, what, what, that's what a conductor... If you think about a conductor, the conductor turns his back on the audience and faces the team. You don't get harmony when everyone sings the same note. You're playing to the strength. So, you know... The, the number one violinist literally runs the show and sits on the conductor's left. And the percussionist, who's got the creative people, are right at the back, make a lot of noise, and they've got to be controlled. If you look at the Rolling Stones with four band members, they've got four different animals in their group. 
You've got the head man at the front who's a lion, who runs the shows at the front. You've then got the drummer who's caring and looks after. You've then got the madman, uh, Ronnie Woods, and you've got the other guy, I'll think about who he is in a minute, the elephant. But if you look at the average band of four, you couldn't have four monkeys running the show because they break up in three minutes because they all want creativity. They want license to write the songs. Yeah. So four lines. You can't have four front men. It just doesn't work. Or women. I mean, ABBA, as an example, very famous. At some point, you had two guys, two women, and one of the women said, I don't want to continue this way because they had, they had two lions and two elephants. It was a bizarre... Remember Nordic? You know, yeah, you've got to yeah. think about this. So any any group of people I can look at and I can just watch by the way they stand. I can watch how they interact in a circle, where they are. It's not difficult. As long, You see, if you listen with your eyes, I'll just repeat that. If you listen with your eyes, you can see a lot. The problem is some of us are listening and some of us are waiting to respond. And if you really listen to your people, they'll tell you what they are. In, in terms of, uh, so, so that's managing talent. Leading talent. Yeah, and, and, then, and then you talk about conflict. So if you don't understand how to manage that talent, you get conflict. Um, so, so how does a leader, and then you just said something really interesting, you've got to listen with your eyes. So, so how does a leader manage conflict, talent, and learn to watch, listen with the eyes. I mean, that's quite a complex. So, and, 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 my, and my question just before I answer that is, it's, it's difficult to know, I know you gave examples how you can spot what animal you are, but it can take a while to understand what an animal is because they may give conflicting signals. At one minute, they could be an elephant there, next minute, they could be... A... No, they're, they're pretty consistent in, in their behaviour. Okay, is it easy so... to spot them conflict? Okay, so let, let's go back a step. I send you a bottle of champagne and I don't get a thank you note. Yeah. Okay. So I, obviously you're very, you're, you're selfish. You know, you don't care. You haven't thanked me. And then we have a discussion, you know, what happened? Well, you know, I don't drink because of religious reasons. Oh, right. But I should have picked that up way before if I'd have found out about your personal needs in the interview. See, uh. when people come for a job and Let's go back. Imagine you employed me today, okay? You said, Nigel, I want you to work for me. Now, I'm not going to be disrespectful here, but let's just suppose I work for the National Health Service or BT or BP, okay? Do you think I've got to worry about the end of the month my salary being paid if I work with those type of three organisations? They're going to pay me. They're an enormous organisation. They're going to pay you. Okay. So I join you, and I don't get paid for it a month because that's how it normally works. Yeah. And I've got to hope that you've got enough money to pay me at the end of the month. But yeah. you don't trust me to start with because you don't know me. It should be the other way around. I shouldn't trust you till I get the first month's pay packet. You see, when I work with organizations, the first thing I say is, do you know your people? Have you gone out to eat with them? Have you watched how they treat a waiter or waitress? Have you looked at the way they even look up when the waiter comes? If you imagine most people now, the pubs and restaurants are open. This is what people, for those that can't see because we're doing a podcast, most people are going to be on their phones, looking on their phones when the waiter comes, because that's what we do when we get there. We don't yeah. even look at the menu. Then the waiter comes over and we say, can you come back in five minutes? We just put our hand out. We don't even look at them. We're not ready. Then they come back a second time. Uh, are you ready to order? No, yeah, give us another 10 minutes. And then we complain how long the service takes. 
if you watch people, because as a dolphin, as a monkey, I know how hard these people are working. So I always turn, look at them and go, thank you so much indeed. If you want to give us two minutes or just wait one more minute, I'm going to make sure everyone puts their phones down and we're going to give you all our order right now and thank you. Now, would you not want to employ someone like that who is nice, but I may not be technically brilliant, or someone who's technically brilliant who's not nice? So before we even start the interview, when I used to have my finance company, my PA would always come in with tea or coffee to the news, to people who we were thinking of interviewing, and I would watch to see if they would open the door, look up and say thank you. And if they didn't, they didn't get the job. Mm. So, so the interview process, that's where it really, that's where you should be gleaning all, all, all the aspects of a person and, and understanding they where they sit. Where do they want to be one year, five year, 20? You know, you and I, if we were working for a bank today, neither of us would get a gold watch. You know, if when yeah. your kids start a job, you know, in the old days, work for Marks and Spencers, work for a bank, work there for 30 years, you get your gold watch. They're going to have seven careers, probably your children, when they get older, seven. They're not going to get gold watches anymore. But what happens is you should be encouraging your kids work in a market for the first six weeks in a local market, Wembley market, and, tr and see how people treat you. See how money works. See how customers work. See if you can sell stock. I did a Monday market when I was 13 and a half uh, with a friend of mine's parents. And at six o'clock, I used to turn up. The first thing we did was have toast and tea in a polystyrene cup. And I sold ladies' skirts. Okay, and I had a tape measure around me. I didn't know what I was doing, but we had people buying loads because I would schmooze them. I go, I think you're a size eight. And they go, no, darling, I'm a size 10. Really? So I knew how to communicate at 13 or 14. And I got my first job at 15 and a half. I left school before I was 16 because I was nice. I have no technical skills at all. I barely can get onto Zoom. I have to make sure 10 minutes before I'm pressing the right buttons. But I can be taught that. You can't teach nice. And if you look at when people are employed, you hire them for their altitude, or sorry, you hire them for their aptitude, and you That's always right. hire them for their attitude. Well, then two weeks later or four weeks later, you do like an appraisal. The very nature of the word appraisal is praise. You should be praising them and encouraging them. And if someone does something wrong, what, you're going to wait six months till there's a review? You need to tell them there and then if they've done something right. Praise in the moment, not in the month. Acknowledge in the moment, not in the month. But also give them feed forward. Notice I didn't say the word feedback. Feed forward of what they need to do better for next time in the moment. Picking up... Um... Yeah, and we'll pick that comment up as well because that's I want to pick up about being in the room because you speak that's about my, that. That's, as a, that's my biggest subject. I mean, you need to yeah. understand that. You, well, well, let, well, let's come to that. Let's come to that because yeah. let me ask you, and I'll tell you why in the room is quite a good concept. So, so now let's take um, where we are today. Let's take about how as a leader you cope with, and I think you described it brilliant. Um, the elephants love being at home. The, 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 and the dolphins like it because they're looking after their family. So that, that's quite good. So <laughs> I bet you I guarantee a lot of leaders didn't seem, think of it like that way. So, and then we'll come to being in the room. So you're a leader now. You're just emerging out of COVID. You've had to deal with it. You probably didn't know what an elephant was and why the monkeys did certain things and why the dolphins dealt with COVID in a different way. 
but now you're you the road the roadmap is that you're coming back into the offices. Do you decide as a leader one? Now having learned this, does your leadership style need to change? It, it had to change during COVID. What should it look like post COVID? And could the fact that these people act so differently mean that actually you might encourage a hybrid system whereby you say to certain people, actually, uh, Mr. Elephant, you might be better staying at home. Well, the, the, do, you, okay, do, so do you think so? Well, there's two parts to that. One is the discussion about what work do you do that can be done at home that doesn't have to be done in the workplace? What work do we want to do that shows collaboration and we'd like to see your face? But imagine... I've got to get this right here. Why would I want my PA to come all the way to my house just to go through things, unless it's to socialise or just to connect? So we could connect and have coffee in Starbucks. She hasn't got to come all the way into my house. So there's there's a difference between connecting, meeting up just to socialise, and a collaboration meeting. I think a lot of us have missed having uh, a chin wag with some people and throwing some ideas because it's not as easy to throw ideas on Zoom because some people are on mute, then they're not on mute. Yeah. And so if you could bring people in on a Tuesday morning, for example, for an hour and a half, and they come in at 10 till 12, and the idea is, what have you done well in the week? What support do you need? How do we support you? And what's going on in your life? And we get to know each other a bit better. And then on Wednesdays, they can work at home, for example. But there are some people who need to be with people and because one of the problems is going to be, if you don't see your boss or your boss doesn't see you, there is out of sight, out of mind. And there's going to be a lot of people who, who don't necessarily not get promoted, but they're going to be forgotten. So there's a bit where we do need to see people. The ele- If you think about a, a, a conveyancer or an accountant who's doing accounts, the idea of working from home and you've got three, you've got three screens, you could do twice as much work without interruptions. Also, you've then got to think about the meetings you're having because when you pull someone in just for a meeting, and we're all having a meeting, just may want to join, you nearly feel like you better be there, otherwise you're lost. Whereas if you, I, I can do it on Zoom. So uh, where do you, just remind me where you live roughly. Birmingham. Okay, so one of us has got to travel 121 miles to see each other so we can sit down with a microphone to do this. Or we could trust each other. Of course it would be nicer if we were physically together, because we pick up a different energy, we might have some lunch. The problem is, either one of us has lost four hours in that process. And in that four hours, I've walked my dog, I've seen my wife, uh, I've done some other work, I'm, I've got a new piece of equipment that's coming tomorrow, I've got a brand new shelving unit, all my stuff is being done. I, I can do all of that, and I can do some work. And I'm not knackered, and I haven't used X amount of petrol, changed the environment, all the other stuff. But I love meeting people. On Thursday, I'm meeting up with three other speakers and we're staying overnight in a hotel because we haven't seen each other for a year and we're a mastermind team. And the phrase is, when you mastermind, you master all. So we don't do it that often. We didn't do it that often pre-COVID. It's a year and a half since we've all seen each other. So it's an excuse to meet each other, have some banter, have some fun, and we'll throw out some ideas. It's going to be a major issue for people because there's going to be some people say you should all come back in. Yeah. The problem is, I'm not sure I want all my staff going on the trains at the moment 
for the next three, six months. I mean, I don't know the last time you came into Waterloo Station or you went to bank on the underground at eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, if you didn't get flu before COVID, you'd be getting flu in two seconds because only one person, imagine one person sneezes on the underground, there'll be like a mass pandemic going on. <laughs> and, and I mean, I was with um, uh, Deepak Chopra in 2016. We were doing a workshop. I was the morning speaker, he was the afternoon. And he said, every day on the London Underground, there are 17 million germs around the trains on a good day. So if you've got a tiny deficiency of vitamin C or D, you're going to get ill. Now, I'm not saying that's a reason not to go back to the workplace, but do we all need to go back in? And it's going to be a real difficult thing for some people. I, I, there is no answer. I think a hybrid is going to work for, for many more than not. I think lots of people need to see each other. You know, I'm not sure. You know, my whole world has been shattered because I'm a conference speaker. Yeah. I did just before COVID, I did five and a half thousand people at the Gaylord Resort in Dallas. I'm not sure that's ever going to happen again. Oh, wow. It's, it, yeah, it's just, it's just because the way you broke down the sort of the, what an animal looks like, I'm wondering whether that was going to then decide. No, I, yeah, no, because I mean, gardeners have got 5,000 elephants in a room and me, you know, yeah. I'm not sure that 5,000 people are going to want to come in yeah. to a central hotel in the same way. So I, unless there was a big enough exhibition, so, you know, these China exhibitions where it's a five day with 50,000 suppliers, that might happen, but I'm really curious. I've written off the whole of this year still that I'm never going to be doing normal conferences. No, I've breached my 42 minutes. So I'm apologies. Okay. We're having great energy. So <laughs> I'm but, but I've got a couple of questions to ask you. And the second of which is being in the room. But before I go to in the room. Now, can I can I ask a favour? Because in on. the room is really key right now, okay? Okay, go on then, go for it. The, the reason is because normally, if this wasn't exciting and I wasn't being challenged, I'd be out of the room by now. And you'd have to try and yeah. either rein me in or say, okay. I think we should do another interview. See, the in the room bit, haven't yeah. you been married 30 years? Let me be, ask you a really personal question, okay? You ready? Go on. Have you ever been yeah. at dinner and your wife is speaking to you and you're not mentally there? Yeah. <laughs> and she continually reminds me of that. <laughs> no, no. But just, okay, but this is the woman you love, okay? <laughs> your children come up to you and ask you a question. And you, I, for the people who can't see, I'm looking at my phone. So just one second. Yeah. I, just gotta, I mean, how would you feel in the middle of this That's interview? Me. How That's would you, me. Okay, but I need to tell you, it is the most disrespectful thing in the world because imagine yeah. my phone rang now, okay, and I did this. No, that's okay. How would you feel? I'm being serious. So I didn't yeah, 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 yeah. I See, what I'm actually saying to you is they're not that important, so I'm going to continue speaking to you because if they were important, I'd take the call. Yeah. So you're luckier that you're just a little bit more important than them. So, so this is with your wife, who you love the most in the world, hopefully, yeah. next to your kids. Yeah. Then you go to the office, and you're still holding your phone because there's important stuff going on. And then a member of staff who hasn't seen you for a year and a quarter because of a lockdown says to you, look, I'd like to just discuss what's happening over the next couple of months. And you go, hold on one second. 
Sorry, just say that again. Which is what happens on Clubhouse a lot because they're yeah. not in the room listening to the question. They say, "Could somebody repeat the question?" I want to smash their faces in because if <laughs> they were on Clubhouse, if they were in the room, they would have heard the question. The most important lesson I teach says, "If you're in the room, be in the room," and when you are, you show love, respect, integrity. Uh, all the words that you say are your values on your corporate mission statement, all that stuff, it's all nonsense. I often rip down people's mission statements because they're not in the room. They don't value me. They don't have integrity. If you get, if you, if everyone who's listening to this podcast listens to only two things from me, be in the room and be a zookeeper, and I swear to God your life will change. But it's hard because do you know how often you're not in the room. If I asked you tonight, when you have dinner with your wife and kids, how often you're not in the room, you'll be amazed. Wow. wow. And your wife, if she was listening, would go, that's exactly right. She will. And but, she will. But you love her and you don't love her enough. Now think about your staff who you've not seen and you ask them to do something. And they uh, just think about an appraisal, okay? I've got my one-to-one -one with you. I've waited three weeks for this one-to-one. -one. And as we sit down for the one-to-one, -one, the first thing you say is, just give me a minute. And you check your phone. What have you just said to that member of staff? Yeah. Without okay. saying anything, I don't, don't care. care. I don't care. They've told their family, I've got the, I'm meeting the boss tonight. I've got my one-to-one -one with him. And they're all excited about what's happened. And the first thing you do is that you either hear a ping on your computer and then you quickly do this. That's no, okay. We, we all do it. But it's the most disrespectful thing in business. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've seen it where, where someone said, do you mind if I take the call? They take what the call. What do you mean they're saying to you? <laughs> You're not that I mean, it's just nuts. See, let me just share. If you told me your child was ill, God forbid... I would say, I'll tell you what, let's do the interview another time. Yeah. Then, you know, I've gone into dolphin mode in a way. Or if yeah. you said to me, look, my wife is, is pregnant right now. Can I leave my phone on just in case? I'm going to say, you better leave your phone on. But why are you even here? I mean, just imagine you missed the birth because you're in some sales meeting. I, I, trust me, it happens every day. And then you get stuck on the M6 or the M1 or whatever. What you've said is, this meeting's important. The boss should know your wife is nine months pregnant. You shouldn't be here. So let me th let me throw you um, in the room, and you mixed it. And I'm, I was going to ask you next, but I'm going to ask this question now. So we're talking Generation X. We're talking Generation Z. We're talking the next generation after that's called Alpha. So just <laughs> just just hold that thought. We're now talking about being in the room. So I'm on a train, and I saw this. I'm on a train. Six kids, I like to call them that. They, they look like 18, 19, all sat down. And for 20 minutes, this was extraordinary because I watched them. None of them exchanged a word. They were all on their mobile phones. It must have been 15, 20 minutes. Somebody then peered up and said, boom, 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 boom. And then there was some kind of... So, so my question to you here is, my observation, does in the room still important for the next generation? Is, 
the animals that you've that you were chatted about is that still relevant for the next generation and thirdly if we accept that social media has made us um what's the word more impulsive and and less less likely to concentrate does everything fall apart does all of what we've said fall apart because the next generation is growing up in a totally different environment where the rules are just completely broken. Okay, so I'm going to answer in a bizarre way, okay? That's fine. So I, I come from a religious background for Friday nights and Sabbath dinners, okay? Okay. In our house, if you come to my house on a Friday night, and I hope you do, okay, from the time my wife lights the Sabbath candles till dessert, no phones are allowed at my table. Okay. On a Friday night, yeah. you come... Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you can do whatever you like. But on a Friday night around my house, from Sabbath candles to dessert, and trust me, my meals are fast. They're not seven hours, okay? <laughs> it's not like, a, not like an Indian feast, okay? This is like 40 minutes. There yeah. are no phones out at the table. What's amazing is the level of communication that happens. Yeah. Because what happens with kids and adults, every story they share, they've got to show you their phone and a picture. Yeah. I've got to show you this. Well, just tell me about yeah. it. I, I can picture what an elephant looks like. I went to a zoo. Let me show. I get it. People know when they come to my house. And I, I have, remember, it's about ground rules. The ground rule is you sit at the table and you eat the food. And then after uh, dessert time, you get your phones out. What's amazing, I have lots of parents say to me, I don't know how you do it. I'll say, let me tell you how I do it. I'll tell them. There are no phones allowed at the table. In board meetings, Bear in mind, the average board meeting is only going to be 42 minutes before there's a break. If you can't sit in a board meeting for 42 minutes without your phone, you're in the wrong business. My PA knows where I am 24-7, okay? She has a schedule of my events. I once used the word help, and she came out of a solicitor's meeting to sort me out, and I've used the word help twice in 24 years. If I've in, right now, my phone's on silent. I've not looked at it once, except when I try to show you an example. I'm, yeah, with yeah, yeah. I'm with you. The problem is, we nearly all say it's okay. It's not okay, in my opinion. The next problem is the kids and, and slightly younger people live in what we call an expectation economy. They expect everything now. They can't yeah. save. You need to have it now. Well, they can't wait. And too many parents are spoiling their kids, me included. Kids think that if they're not online 24-7, they've got FOMO, the fear of missing out. At some point, when they go to... Uh, did you watch uh, your Leicester versus the FA Cup? Yeah. How often did you check your phone? In the last... Quite a few times. Actually, yeah. Was, uh, sorry? In the last 20 minutes, how often did you look at your phone? No, I was, I was hooked, particularly on the... So you were uh, focused. Yeah. So for those who weren't watching the football, it was an exciting game. Yes, but I'm saying but you were focused because it was exciting. Yeah, yeah. If you make your meetings exciting and if you make the conversation all consumed by everyone and everyone's included, kids don't need their phones. The problem is the younger kids are bored at dinner tables. And how old are you? Just remind me how old your kids are. Well, my son's 25 and my yeah. daughter is 16. Right. If it would have been 15 years ago and you got to a restaurant, the best way to keep them quiet used to be crayons and yeah. colouring in. That's right. Then bread rolls. That's right. But now, watch, your, watch an iPad, watch your phone. 
and you see kids two, three, four, five who have no concentration skills, no. Sorry, who can't sit for more than a minute without doing something, because the best way to keep them quiet is stick them in front of the TV. Well, the reason I ask that question, the reason I ask that question is if you're recruiting, remember you said about, you made that fantastic observation, is that actually you at, at, at an interview, you can spot whether they're, you know, which, which animal they are, and, and that gives you an idea whether they'll fit into your culture and the way you work. So, so the reason I ask that question is, you know, with these kids coming through, is it, can you spot, can you spot the same sort of attributes in a, in, in a child? Well, they're still the same, the elephant, the, don't, the monkey. I used to manage an under-13s football team, okay? Okay. The two defenders at the back were always elephants, okay? Okay. They had to hold their position. That's what they did. Yeah. You can't have two monkeys at the back because they're <laughs> all over the place. They, wherever the ball is, they're all over the place, okay? You want two steadfast people who are yeah. focused. Stuart Pierce, Emlyn Hughes, those people who are staunch horses at the back, okay? Yeah. You need a couple of dolphins who are prepared to throw the ball in so other people get success. Yeah, and, and the no, last like Malcolm McDonald, you know, the number nine who just wants to put the ball in. Yeah. See, if you, I'm not trying to be funny. You can look at people and think, in your team, you need some wacky, creative people. Yeah. But then don't expect them to sit in a board meeting for two hours or a sales meeting. I can't sit in a board meeting, and I'm running them. I tell people after 42 minutes, there's going to be a break, whether you like it or not, because I need a break. I need chocolate. I need a pee. I need to go and get some fresh air. If you don't like it, don't hire me. And I'm on the board of a number of companies. I go in there every month. And at 42 minutes, everyone goes, there's a break. They're only short. No, no, I tell you what's really interesting, and you've got me here gripped here, is I've sat on, <laughs> I've sat on lots of interview panels and I've never thought of it the way you've just addressed it. I've never thought of sitting, who's sitting in front of me. All we've ever, re all we've done is looked at the job spec, looked at, can they do the job? I've never looked at really personality. Not really. Why never really never be employed? Richard Branson, myself, Elon, I mean, Elon Musk, these type of people will never be employed ever again because we, we are, we're fidgeting. We've got no concentration skills. We need freedom to play. We need license to go a little bit crazy. You can't have brain surgeons who are massively their brain. I mean, if you think about a brain surgeon... I had, I've had two brain aneurysms, okay? So I know this. My brain surgery lasted five and a half hours. I did not want a monkey doing surgery on me, trust me. I needed a, an elephant who was intricate, who knew what was going on. A monkey would go, I'm pretty close to the brain, should be all right. I don't want that happening. That's why they do knee surgeries, most brain. The, the monkeys do uh, knee surgeries and the elephants do brain surgery. It's a six, seven, eight hour operation. You've got to be very skilled yeah. to be focused, which is why I wasn't clever enough. I could never be in a brain surgeon. Nigel, um, we, we've come up to an hour, so I've completely bust all my schedules. Let, let, let me just sum up. It's been fascinating. I suddenly see people totally different now. So uh, today we, we chatted about uh, why we think communication is important. We talked about understanding the personality traits, what makes people tick, rather than looking at can they do this, this, and this. Because if you understand the way they tick, you can start to understand how to use them 
properly within your organization. Uh, you, so you talked about monkeys, lions, elephants, dolphins. We talked about how each of those animals can be manifested by the way they dealt with COVID. And, and you can see who dealt with COVID well and who didn't, and for what reasons. I thought your analogy around the football was great and around surgery was great because it told you the kind of people you want who are probably going to be, uh, we're probably going to excel at it. We talked about around leadership style and how if you're aware of how people tick, you're probably going to be a much more if, effective leader. We've talked about being in the room and in fact how that is another form of communication because you're telling the person on the other side actually what you think of them and, and probably what they're now going to think of you. And, and I think that, 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 you know, that, that, that important bit of communication, even this sort of non-verbal, it's behavioral, because you just take, it, it, it sort of sends uh, a, a comms uh, sort of message out. Well, to be honest with you, this has been fascinating, Nigel. I think my advice to everyone is, whether you adopt the monkey, the lion, the elephant, or the, or the dolphin, but can I share something for you just very quickly? Go you, know on. The book, you know the book that I sent you, okay? Yeah. You know we wrote it in four languages. So right. for the monkeys, there's colour paper, and there's a joke on the very Yeah, I noticed page. that. No, I was there's a say joke that, on the yeah, first page, which yeah, is different colours. Do, always say something to feed the animals. Even if the science says don't feed the animals, remember it wasn't the animals that put the signs up. For the lions, very short paragraphs because they've got a short attention span. That's right. For the elephants, there's a graph. And, we, and they like a graph. And for the dolphins, we printed it on recycled paper. So we even wrote the book in the style of the animals. Think well, about it. Was, it. Well, it was interesting. I tell you what was very interesting was the characteristics of a lion. He wants punctuality. Boom, boom, boom. He wants you to turn up on time. They don't want the detail. You want to get straight to the point. Don't mess around with the detail. An elephant will want to see the A to Z of what, how you got there, why you got there. Oh, good. Another That's one. why they're at the end of the book. Anger. That's why the elephants are at the end of the book because they'll read the whole book. The monkeys have to go first because they're never going to read it all. So we knew all that. If you think about a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yeah, very, few, right people, here. very few people have ever read it. Okay, they've got it. They've never read the whole book. Actually, I haven't. Well, of course right. you haven't because you see, you're not you an elephant. You see, that's my whole point. That is one of the greatest leadership books ever, and very few people have actually read it. The One Minute Manager, or Who Moved My Cheese, the most successful business book ever, 48, 50 pages. What a surprise. People have read it. Nigel, we could have gone for hours and hours and hours. And and, and I feel this is probably, there's a lot of questions I still didn't get around to, which was <laughs> how to create an innovative culture, how to avoid uh, nice. conflict. That's how you do this. it. Be nice. Yeah. That's how you create an innovative culture. I'll answer that question. Be nice. Next question. I can answer yeah. them in one word for most of them. And, and and I suspect what we'll probably have to do, I'm pretty certain we'll have to do a podcast number two. Delighted. And, and, and I'll pick up some other subjects, which I think we could really probe into. And I'll tell you why this is interesting, because I think post-COVID, where mental health is now such high on the agenda, actually what we're now asking of our managers is can I just, can I just share with you? They're leaders. If you look, if you look after people, you're a leader. If you look after toilets, you're a manager. But 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 it's interesting that the comment you made earlier. People leave because of their managers. So so I think we need both the leaders and the managers to understand emotional intelligence, to understand how people think, behave, and act, 
And to understand, probably really fundamentally, two people are not the same. And I think post-COVID, people have been through a rough time, year, year and a half. Some people are dreading going back to work. The elephants have now got used to, as you said, working from home. The dolphins and I are not so sure about this, how their families are going to go. So I think it's fascinating. And you gave us, gave us a real insight into the way we should look at people. And now, as I finish this and walk downstairs and make a cup of tea, and as I get into my car, I'll be driving and thinking, what sort of animal is that person? Trust me, just about that is the problem the for the rest of your life now. That's <laughs> what you'll be doing, and I apologise. Nigel, brilliant, brilliant chatting to you and some real gems there. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again, whether it's Clubhouse or and we're not going to stay in touch anyway, but whether we now when, not whether, when, not if, but when we bring you back for Thank podcast you. part two. Thank Look, you, Nigel. My pleasure. Hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. And if so, please do leave a review. It all helps in promoting the podcast. Oh, and by the way, have a great day.